Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, but we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's the moment you didn't think would happen. The moment you weren't waiting for. The moment you weren't prepared for. We're back. The the episode that nobody asked for. The episode that nobody expected, nobody wanted, nobody cared. Yeah, here we are. We're like um, we're like a Star Wars story. Yeah. Nobody cares. We're just gonna throw it out there, and nobody's gonna listen. We're back. It's the Hey Kids Comics 2018 Summer Special, which is like the 2017 Christmas Special, only six months later. And a lot warmer. And a lot warmer. Considerably warmer. What have you been up to since we last gathered around a microphone? We've, we've been up to, to quite a bit. We have. We've done a lot. Yeah. We just haven't had you at home long enough to sit you in front of a microphone. Yeah. And get you to talk about uh, shit. I mean, what things have happened since? Well, we've, we've... Solo came out and tanked. Which is yeah. a shame because it's great. Uh, Infinity War was great. Infinity War came out and did not tank, um, which is nice because it was great. Yeah. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp and the Incredibles two were both delayed because of the World Cup, because the World Cup is apparently a massive deal. Uh, and you know it's not as though it paid off. So no. <laughs> football did indeed come home. Oh, the players did. The players did. Yeah. Uh, with comic wise, we've had um, DC Metal. That yes, was a big thing. That was good. That I was enjoyed good. DC Metal. You uh, let me all of them. I did. All with the big shiny covers. The true Michael fashion. Yeah. The post stuff flopped. Did it? Oh yeah. The post metal stuff flopped. The right. New Age of Heroes is what it was called. All oh, right. Is that the terrifics and new yeah. challenges yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I uh, only read the, the the terrifics. We've got a rebooted Spider Man. We have indeed Spider Man. And issue one has only come out the week that we recorded. So I've not it's read it yet. Great. You've read it. Yeah. I've not read it. Uh, Invincible ended. Oh. But we've got all of them now. It's a nice big. Yeah. Hard covers. So I'm currently reading that. Uh, and uh, there was a big deal, mm. actually, about uh, a certain Marvel writer mm. uh, coming over to, to DC. Ooh, well, hold that thought. Because, yes, today we're going back to Happy Birthday Superman. You know, right, it's we're, five we're years. We're good at this, actually. We are, we're, <laughs> we're exceptionally good at it. Five years since we did 75 years of Superman. And now it's his eightieth uh, so birthday. I, if, I do, if I do my maths right, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's his eightieth birthday. Right. And we are going to celebrate that eightieth birthday by looking at what Michael just alluded to. But first, we do have email feedback, so let's mention these nice people that took the time to email through to us. Daniel Doherty emailed us. This was back on the 9th of January, is that? No, September twenty seventeen. Blimey. Uh, I've gone yeah. back a bit here, Daniel. I did. Uh, maybe we missed this last time. Entirely possible. <laughs> Hello, Leylands. I've been meaning to write in for some time, listening to your summer special. God, oh, yeah. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> last year, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. Finally made me do it. Earlier this year, my grandma passed away. 
I'm not looking for sympathy. I just want to let you guys know that your show helped me get through a tough time. Hearing you tackle the original Clone Saga, Secret Wars, and those 70s shows put a smile on my face and made me laugh when I had no reason to. Thank you for doing what you do. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you for emailing in and telling us that. That's quite sweet, and I hope you're doing okay. Uh, next, Chris Franklin emailed in. Hey, kids, an episode. Hello, Leylands. Well, you guys didn't disappoint. Well, it's kind of hard to disappoint when you don't churn out episodes anymore, isn't I it? I mean, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the fact that that's the first time I've heard of that. <laughs> Ever? Yeah. Okay. You did your annual Christmas swag episode. It was nice to hear from my two favourite Northern Chancers in tandem. Loved your discussion on all the topics, particularly The Last Jedi. I saw it again for the second time yesterday and I enjoyed it even more than the first. My takeaway is a very vocal minority of fans had this one written in their heads, and since this movie swerved at every plot point, it blew their tiny little minds. Fair enough, but let's not go insane with the demands that it be stricken from the record. I'm sure, had the internet existed in 1980 and 1983, the revelations and actions <laughs> of Empire and Return of the Jedi would have had equal amounts of mouth-foaming. By the time you guys get around to reading this, the new controversy will be what happened in Infinity War and The Last Jedi will probably be fully lauded by everyone. That was optimistic, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not, but next nerd gripe will have surfaced. Take care, gents. Chris. Thank you for emailing in, Chris. I'm glad that we do not disappoint. Mm -hmm. Tom Panneris emailed in. I demand that this episode be erased from continuity. It's probably pretty easy to do, really. <laughs> Hello, Andrew, Michael and Kat. I was very excited to listen to the latest Hey Kids. It's great to hear the two of you again and was a much needed warm up on a freezing January day. I loved hearing about all of your Christmas swag, although I admit I was a bit jealous because my Christmas geek haul was minimal. I did get a large amount of money in the form of Amazon gift cards, so I think I'll cope. Money's good, isn't it? Money is we good. We like money. On to some topics you guys covered. I agree with your point about how movie plots where everything is connected to something or someone can get frustrating. Unfortunately, this goes back for the better part of a century. Just think of the number of novels by Victor Hugo, Charles Dickens or the Brontes where some orphan is suddenly connected to every stranger he, she meets and as a result inherit gobs of money so while george lucas was taking his character on a classic hero's journey jj is giving us luke on the moors i shouldn't be so flip after all i loved the last jedi and i've already pissed and moaned about jane Eyre on required reading with tom and stella but i wanted to say that i like the concept of the legacy of our beloved star wars characters being an ideal example or legend rather than biological luke han lando leia by the hell by the way where is lando and all the others should be galaxies odysseus aeneas or beowulf i mean i loved the force awakens but the last jedi took the saga in a direction i totally wasn't expecting and that's what made it awesome in my opinion well lando's gonna lando? be an episode now yeah, isn't he? he is and he was in solo yeah so if you wanted a, a he was great in solo he was all right i liked his capes he's got a lot of capes too many i don't like it I don't agree with it, but I'll accept it. Which, he was should, good. which should be a sentence that everyone can just agree with. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, then again, what the hell do I know? Continues Tom. I am doing fandom wrong because I don't feel entitled to have everything be exactly the way I want it. Then again, I don't keep score of how well I nerd, something I complained about on Pop Culture Affidavit's Festivus episode. Did you see how well I worked in two plugs for my two shows? And DC movie fans, especially the cult of Zack Snyder, have found the quickest way to ruin a movie, and I'm glad you agree with me on it. At least, sort of. I'm glad you guys had an episode where you could rant freely. It was really fun, and I'm one of the few whom you did not offend. Can't wait to hear from you guys again. All the best to you and the family in 2018. Well, the same to you and Amanda Tom. It was nice to hear from you. Um, our next email is from Nathaniel Wayne. 
Oh, hell. I knew I was going to do this. I got so wrapped up in The Last Jedi, I didn't remember to touch on anything else from the episode. So here we go. Blade Runner 2049 is a gorgeous film and does what it sets out to do, but loses one specific key element of the original that I love. That being the fact that these characters are tiny and don't matter. The original Blade Runner is a small story set in a massive world about characters who aren't world shakers and can't be more than the briefest of flickers, if even at all. And I don't like that Deckard has retroactively been made important. Replicant or not, Deckard is not important in the grand scheme, and I feel he shouldn't ever be. Thought? Uh, yeah, it's a valid argument. Justice League, I was pleasantly surprised. Is it good? No, not really. But I enjoyed the team dynamic. I liked this Flash, I liked this Cyborg, I liked this Aquaman, that one to my shock. I think Henry Cavill is a million times better suited to this upbeat Superman than he was the version he was forced to play in BVS Dodge. And to be blunt about it, I'd be more game for seeing this again before seeing The Last Jedi again. Not saying I won't ever see The Last Jedi again, but I don't want to right now. Wonder Woman. Okay, I think I mostly need to skip past this one because I could easily argue this for quite a while. I'll just say that I feel most of the people I know who love this movie, myself included, feel that the strengths of the film itself are potent enough to smooth out the problems, primarily of the third act, which is thematically sound but visual mush. Much in the same way I feel that you two and many others enjoy the strong points of The Last Jedi enough to ignore the film's many flaws, I personally think that's the case regardless of the meta factor of who the director is. Or at least for me it is. Patty Jenkins getting to helm that film is a wonderful thing and deserving of praise, but that praise should be separate from critical assessment of the film itself. And for myself, I think I've managed to keep them separate. Wonder Woman? I've not watched it that since then. It was, then. It was good, I, yeah, um, it was alright, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the sequel. I enjoyed watching it, but I won't ever watch it again. I didn't like it that much. Did you know? No. I, th- I probably would watch it again, but I'm not in a rush to. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok, ton of fun, not more to add. Uh, yes, it doesn't hold up to rescreenings. Uh, everyone I know loves it. Okay. Everything I've seen loves it, but I think it's I think it's the weakest. Yeah. But I'm, I am of the rare opinion that I think the Kenneth Branagh Thor is fantastic. No, I love the Kenneth Branagh Thor. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't like that, mm. but whatever. So is Michael excited about Battlefront 2? In the wake of the complete and utter shitstorm over its loot boxes and grind level, I'll say I'm just curious, but in reality I demand that Michael's enthusiasm be removed from canon. I was playing it last night. I think it's great. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's they've added a lot more stuff to it, and I think it's a, a it's it's a fun it's a fun thing. It's a fun romp. It's a fun it's a fun romp, and it looks and feels like Star Wars. Okay. Uh, as for my Christmas brags, Eighth Doctor's Sonic Screwdriver, Doctor Who socks, my neighbour Totoro sweater, two sets of pyjamas, or TARDIS pyjamas, some awesome laser-cut wooden earrings in the shape of the TARDIS and the Slytherin symbol, a Slytherin winter hat, some superheroine figures and a mermaid blanket from my partner that's perfect for the Vermont winters. There was more, but that's what I can remember off the top of my head almost a month later. Oh yes, a coffee mug from my soon-to-be ex-wife that says you're the stand to my Dorothy, which if you know anything about the Golden Girls is both hilarious and highly descriptive. I always love each other but don't belong together. Oh, well that's, as long as it's mutually amicable, that's fine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Regarding the Douglas Adams stuff, as a long-time fan of Adams, I'll just chime in on a few things. The added sixth in the Hitchhiker series by... Ewan Colfer, is that how I say his name? Owen. Is it? Is actually pretty good. Little safe in terms of not bringing a ton of new stuff to the table, but it uses the old material well and feels like a better last note for the series and mostly harmless. As for Doctor Who and the Cricket Men, you don't wait to, you don't have to wait to read that, Andy, you can read it right now. It's called Life, the Universe and Everything. Seriously, basically every idea that Adams had for that, he repurposed for that book, right down to a bizarre ship that looks like something other than a spaceship. It's even got elements of Sharda. Sorry. 
It's not even like the elements of Shard have been repurposed for Dirk Gently, where it was basically just one character who appears in both. This is flat out the story he was going to tell in Doctor Who, just told with the Hitchhiker's cast. There is no point to Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. I quite liked the Doctor Who Christmas special. I like that what the Doctor uncovers isn't something malevolent. I like David Bradley's performance, although the chauvinistic tendencies of his era were overplayed. The thought that Christmas Armistice was a touching inclusion. Probably my favourite representation of New Who, and that's all I have to... Wait, Clara is Michael's favourite companion? <laughs> Clara? The plot point you walk like a character for two seasons before finally gaining some depth, only to be killed in a beautiful death that gets completely undermined two episodes later at the expense of long-promised payoffs about Gallifrey? Clara, the character embodiment of the I'm-so-clever, look how I can tie it all together, Moffat writing that he complained about literally 30 seconds before making this statement. That Clara. I just don't know what planet I'm on anymore. I love Clara. Well, she's got the big eyes and the cute little nose. So. Yeah, and the chin. <laughs> yeah. And the lovely round face. and the, she, She's just adorable. Yeah. You just want to hug her. Yeah. <laughs> I like Clara. I'm re-watching Doctor on Netflix. The plan is to get through them all before Jodie Whittaker takes all over. All of them. No, I started at oh, the beginning right. ages ago and I'm now into, I'm into the last season of Clara with Capaldi. Okay. So that's where I'm up to. Which is great, but... Yeah, I've just got past the Zygon one that you didn't like. Zysis. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, so you've got the, the... Was it Reese Shearsmith? Yeah, I've seen that one. Sleep No More. That's, I've watched that one. That's great. It is a good one, that yeah. one. I like that one. Um, have you been watching Doctor Who on Twitch? No. It has been the single most glorious thing to hit fandom in years. Loads of people who have never seen Doctor Who before, all young kids, right. just watching Doctor Who every day, starting with William Hartnell going right the way through. Yeah. And it's been glorious. It's been absolutely brilliant. As we record this, we're into Peter Davison. Right, okay. So there's still time to catch up. Seven o'clock every night, Monday through Friday. They show it from seven till 12 or thereabouts. Oh, right, okay. So they've shown every single doctor. So it's doctor. not like a constant stream? No. Right. They, they sh- and then they show it again, two o'clock in the morning, and then again at seven o'clock in the morning. Okay. So everyone's watching it at the same time. Right, yeah. Worldwide. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, did Andy say whether or not you watched the Netflix Punisher series? I did watch the Netflix Punisher series. I thought it was a bit slow, but okay. Picked up towards the end, mm. which is kind of like all the Netflix things. I have not watched season two of Jessica Jones or Luke Cage yet. Have right. you? Uh, I've not seen any of them. All right, so that's fair enough. I gave up on Alias. Uh, I couldn't get more than five episodes into that show. It's not awful, but I was really bored. So I'm not sure if I'd have much to add. Happy Christmas. Yeah, I'll just pretend I got this in a timely manner and a geeky new year. Nathaniel went, well, it's summer now. Mm. So that's the way this works. Anyway, that's all of the emails that people sent us about the last episode. We do appreciate them, even though, you know, we're not on any kind of regular schedule anymore because we, we don't live together anymore, do we? We don't. So that's the way it works. Um, we'll we'll plug somebody's show from somewhere. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about the six-issue Man of Steel. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Michael Bailey. And I'm Jeffrey Taylor. You might remember us from such show as From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Whatever happened to that show? Well, it went away and now it's back. We're back? That's right, after taking a year off and having a preview episode on April 1st, all new episodes of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast will be available for download or subscription on your favorite podcatcher starting on May 30th, 2018. We have a lot to talk about right away, like the aftermath of the death of Clark Kent, 
the end of season two of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. All of the Superman-related annuals under the Year One banner. Superman v. Aliens, dawn of a really good crossover. And so much more as we continue through the triangle-numbered books and the related books for the second half of 1995 as we gear up for that line-wide crossover, Underworld Unleashed. Starring the newly revived Lex Luthor and the Superman crossover, The Trial of Superman. And right around the corner, there's a wedding and a major change for both the costume and powers of the Man of Steel. There's a wedding? Who's getting married? Plus, the side titles, miniseries, and one-shots that we've been really excited to tackle. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Covering the post-crisis on Infinite Earths era of Superman. New episodes drop on Thursdays. Mostly. Unless they don't, but there's usually a very good excuse. Show notes, images from the comics covered, and back episodes can be found at www.fortressofbailytude.com. Five years ago, we celebrated Superman's 75th birthday with an epic run of shows covering all aspects of the Man of Steel, from his debut in 1938 through to the present day. Well, then, present day. Well, five years is a long time in comics. Superman is now turning 80, and the last five years have been as turbulent as any in the last son of Krypton's long history. Some of these we covered along the way. Superman wandering the Earth in Grounded, some New 52 stuff like his battle with a Ponzi blonde bloke, and his out-of-continuity adventures on Earth 1. Others passed us by. But one thing we've learned as comics readers over the years is that everything comes back around, be it the threat of nuclear destruction, ABBA, or Superman reboots. Following the New 52, which featured some of the worst Superman stories ever to see print in his glorious history, DC tried a back-to-basics approach to The Man of Tomorrow. Now we can argue the good and the bad of The New 52 all day, but the bottom line is this. If The New 52 version of Superman had been successful, they'd still be publishing it. For whatever reasons, this younger, sexier, dumber New 52 version of Superman was not resonating with readers, so DC killed him off. It was revealed that the Superman of the pre-New 52, post-crisis, post-final lose track, was alive and well and living with his wife Lois and their 10-year-old son John in relative peace. The death of the younger Superman forces the grizzled 40-something Superman out of retirement to once again fight for justice. DC's decided to do yet another relaunch because it had been 20 minutes since the last one and with the rebranded DC Rebirth, Superman was brought back into the fold with a new status quo that was like the old status quo, but better. This new, slightly older Lois and Clark, now with the added responsibility of raising a son, seemed to hit the target with readers and for the first time in years, Superman and Action Comics were top 20 books. Throughout these story arcs, DC's head honchos claimed that the New 52 storylines would continue to resonate, but with Superman, this proved to be a lot of hot air. As of the story Superman Reborn in April 2017, the timelines were fused, meaning there had only ever been one Superman, and the New 52 version was consigned to the dustbin of history. However, the more comics change, the more they stay the same. After 18 years across the road at Marvel Comics, writer Brian Michael Bendis decided he needed a change. No one can blame him for that. If I'd worked at the same place for 18 years, I'd need a change as well. Bendis, having had his hands in the pies of pretty much every single Marvel character over the years, craved new challenges and jumped ship to DC. 
Speculation ran rampant over what books he would take over, with most people favouring a low-level crime book like Gotham Central or a Batman or Batman family book. Nobody expected him to be writing Superman. But Superman it was. Bendis was a big enough name that, as it was in 1986, the current creative teams were given their walking papers, allowing Bendis to take over the main Superman books. Some readers expressed dissatisfaction at this, but Bendis and the creative types involved all said it was simply a business decision and there were no hard feelings on either side. Also, as in 1986, Bendis would be given a six-issue miniseries called Man of Steel to show us what his Superman would be like. He would be joined by a murderous row of great artistic talents across the six issues, with Drew Prado and Ivan Rice on issue one, even Doc Shainer on issue two, with late assists from Steve Rood and Jason Fabok, Ryan Souk on issue three, again with assists from Jason Fabok, Kevin Maguire on issue four, again with Fabok, Adam Hughes and Jason Fabok on issue five, and Jason Fabok alone for issue six. They should have just got Fabok to do the whole thing. The book would ship weekly beginning on May 30th, 2018. The six covers for this six-issue miniseries Interlink, which is always a cool stunt and much better than variant covers. As you may expect, they all depict various key moments in the life of Superman. The first is Superman with the Justice League. The second with the Kent shucking a blanket off the rocket ship that brought Clark to Earth. The third, Krypton exploding with a toothy villain watching the rocket ship speed towards Earth. Issue four, Lois and Clark snogging. Issue five, the aftermath of Doomsday's rampage. And issue six, Superman and Supergirl fighting the same toothy villain from issue three. The story was teased in Action Comics 1000, a short fight scene showcasing Jim Lee's art, and a much better prelude in DC Nation issue 1, whereby the bizarre disappearance of Lois and the introduction of a new character, Robinson Good, who turns out is up to no good. Clever. With art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, this is far better than Action 1000 and teases out the characters a little bit more. What did you think of the two preludes? I thought the one in 1000 was just awful did you yeah um, the jim lee one yeah because it's it, it's it's a great celebratory thousandth issue yeah on the whole it's a it's a good and issue isn't it it's not the first time that they've used anniversary issues or annuals to have uh, an anthology of stories and mm-hmm. then tease the upcoming things yes nothing new but it's not only is it it's not a teaser mm-hmm. it's an actual story element from issue three or four that isn't in the actual issue of Man of Steel, but it is in it, but they just have a little time jump expecting you to go back and read it. Right. It's poorly written. Mm. It's got this big shocking plot twist that it's poorly handled. The dialogue is 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 Bendis in space. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't have the actual issue, so I'll have to paraphrase. But it's basically he's wearing his red shorts again. Why? Oh, he's wearing his red shorts. Oh, but he's knocked out. He's wearing his red shorts. Why is he wearing his red shorts? Okay. Um, but but it's got a great. He bit likes in red it. shorts. It's got a great bit in it where Superman's thrown and he's about to smash through a window, but he stops and he's hovering mm. just in front of the window, and it's a great shot. Right. Okay, what about the uh, other one, the DC Nation? Uh, not as bad. I liked that one. I didn't. Okay. Uh, it got, it got, <laughs> I think this is how the episode's going to go. <laughs> it got uh, a Daily Planet, and the, the dialogue, you know, was good and enjoyable. Yes. 
But again, it just felt like a whole whole lot of nothing. Especially when it sat next to a great Tom King Joker story. Yes, that very, feels very like good it, Tom King Joker feels story, like yeah. its own story and not a trailer. And a great Scott Snyder story. Damn, that was that great. Which, it is a trailer, but it feels like it rather than the Superman one feels like... I don't know. The Superman one feels like a trailer, whereas the, the others feel like a, no, an opening teaser. The Superman one feels like a jam session ah, right. more than a, a, a cohesive anything. Right. Okay. I, I remember thinking DC Nation was... I thought the Superman and Batman were better than Justice League, but that's just me. Uh, should we do the synopsis for this filth before we get on with it? Okay. Okay. Many years ago, Rogel Zar, the illegitimate love child of Meatloaf and Doomsday, put it to the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Green Lantern guys, not Chris Pratt and co, that Krypton was altogether too science And He doesn't want any of that filth. Science makes his head hurt. Krypton doing science apparently impacts badly on other cultures and planets, and he wants to wipe out all Kryptonians because half measures are for weaklings. Guardian... Appa Ali Apsa is the one to tell Zar that actually that idea is a bit silly, and despite his personal history, he is to leave Krypton alone. Krypton then explodes. Coincidence? On Earth years later, Jor-El shows up, apparently not dead after all, and wants to take Lois and Clark's son John with him to explore the 12 known galaxies. John says okay, but Clark and Lois aren't so sure, a development that leads to Lois leaving with John and Jor-El. Clark gives her a communicator, just in case she needs it. At the Daily Planet, nosy new reporters like Gossip Queen Trish Q and new recruit Robinson Good are trying to get the low down on Low Lane. Where she went and why. Clark is being understandably cagey. Superman is kept busy investigating a spate of fires in and around Metropolis that new fire chief, fiery redhead Melody Moore, is also investigating. Together they try and get to the bottom of this mystery even involving the Batman. However, on some backwater drinking planet, Rogel Zar finds out about a living Kryptonian on a planet called Earth and flies off to kill him. First, he trashes the Fortress of Solitude and then smashes the bottle city of Kandor. Superman is less than impressed and recruits Supergirl to assist. They go out to kick some Zar butt, but Zar instead puts Superman out for the count. The Justice League make him better, and Superman realises that if Earth houses Kryptonians like himself and Kara, then Earth is a candidate for destruction as well. He zooms down to the Earth's core where he proposed to confront Zar. Superman stops Zar from destroying the Earth and manages to keep him on the back foot long enough for Supergirl to arrive with the Phantom Zone projector, and she condemns Zar to the zone. Superman knows this is but a band-aid on a broken arm, but it'll do for now. At the memorial for Kandor, Superman tells Supergirl the communicator he gave Lois and John was destroyed in the fight. He has no idea where they are and can't talk to them. Supergirl says she too must leave. Zara's has brought up a lot of unanswered questions about Krypton, and she needs to find those answers. Superman is more alone than ever. Back in Metropolis, Melody Moore is told by a young lad that Superman is responsible. That was six issues. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, what, what, overall, what did you think of it before we get into the minutia? <laughs> that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it's... Okay, go on. It's just not that good. See, I've got to be honest with you, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> but... All right. Okay. You've read Superman 1. Yes. 
did you like Man of Steel? Did you feel like you had read six weeks worth of comic? Did you feel like all of... Because in a mini-series, not an ongoing, it's a mini-series, and I think we should separate that. He might have been writing this as a prologue to what he's going to do, but he's writing a mini-series. Yes, a standalone mini-series. It isn't. No. And it, it doesn't doesn't answer any of the questions it answers one question it takes six issues to answer to, that one question to ask those questions yeah, yeah, okay fair enough yeah no i mean if i have a complaint about it it is it's exactly what i expected from bendis yeah and i i keep falling for it yes you do i don't i, I stopped reading bendis stuff after daredevil i don't know whether it's a good comic disguised as a bad one or a mm. bad comic disguised as a good one because there's something that keeps pulling me in there's something about it and it's not it's not a bad story it's not a wholly original story but it's not a good story either mm. i don't like the kryptons because they sell money and make money and oh. i don't like the kryptonians because they do science yeah and it's 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 that's not particularly good and it's it's not we don't care if somebody destroyed Krypton, Krypton still blew up. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's and it's it's badly written. It's oh so painfully badly written. And if 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 you don't believe me on that, mm-hmm. and I've already shown you this, but if you don't believe me that it's badly written, the subplot about about uh John and Lois and Jarrell. Yeah. The way it's told... No explanation is to given why Jarell is still alive. Well, that's another problem, but mm. I suppose we'll get to that in a bit. The way it's told is, over the space of the six issues, every time, I think it's three pages in the first issue of something happening, and then it fades to white. And in the next one, you get the last page again with a new page. Mm. And in the next one, last page, new page. And that'll go on. And uh, if if you still don't believe me that Bendis is a, a bad writer or a lazy writer, uh, John Kent asks Clark, Dad, what is that? That exact line of dialogue 17 times. You counted that? I did. I have a little, <laughs> I have a little tally chart on my phone as I was reading them all. Okay. Dad, what is that? Is repeated 17 times. All right, fair enough. If, if, that's, if that's how many times he's... Uh, overall... I have to confess to enjoying it. Um, I did tire of the John Lois Jorel subplot. Yep. I don't think that should have took six issues. Nope. To get from asking the question, Jorel, I'm here. I'm here to take John with me because I feel he could learn more from me out in the universe. To Lois saying, all right, then I'll come with you. Well, because when when we get to issue six, which focuses on that more, it's great. And there's some great emotional beats where where um, Clark's left on his own and he just sits there playing with John's toys mm. and John argues with him and says, "But this is what I want to do and I've got to do this because I can't grow when when you're putting me down and telling mm. me not to." There's some great bits in it, mm. but it's poorly written. I don't know that it's poorly written. I think it's bendisly written. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, that bit's great, but all the build up and the way it's structured. Mm. Yeah, I I. I didn't think there was six issues worth of story in this. Certainly not at $3.99 an issue. I think, do you know what really pissed me off? Yeah. This is a very, very, very tiny problem. Right. But it really irritated me. Issue one has a free digital code for $3.99. And the others None didn't. of the issues don't. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, again, I I went up into town and bought them all off off the shop. And you continue yeah. to do so. And I continue you to continue like, to do it. And I think I think Bendis is the George Lucas of comics. In what way? In that his comics aren't bad, hmm. his stories aren't bad, hmm. but his dialogue's good though. But Lucas's dialogue isn't good. Bendis's dialogue is awful. <laughs> Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? Uh, um, but I think, but yeah. So he's got good ideas and he's got good comics, and you know his, his Avengers stuff is good. I liked his Avengers stuff. I read seventeen <clears throat> years worth of Avengers in five days. Probably yeah, but it's it's. Is that how long he wrote that for? It's how long he's been there. And the Avengers Disassembled was the first thing he did, wasn't it? No, Ultimate Spider-Man was the first thing he did. It's the first Avengers thing he did. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's. But it's... The, 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 his, his, his dialogue... It's, it's not good. It's mm. not... Venice's dialogue is not good. And like I said, it's lazy, it's poor, it's repetition. Everyone sounds the same. To, to hammer that everyone sounds the same, we have the Justice League and they're all just idiots. And they're all idiots. <laughs> Every single one of them is a snarky idiot. And it's... Apart from Superman. Yeah. I think he gets Superman right. I really I th- yeah, do. Yeah, I think he, he gets Perry White. Yeah. He gets Lois. He yeah. gets Superman. He gets those. <clears throat> but nothing else and repeated dialogue is can we stop with the re- we've moved past the repeated panels well done you've grown as a, as a script writer now can we stop repeating dialogue he probably saw that piss take of repeated panels in invincible yeah <laughs> it's taken it's taken 20 years for you to stop doing repeated panels mm. well done now stop with the dialogue i just it's not it's not good there are bits that are cutesy there's bits that are funny but it's not good <laughs> Okay, calm down. <laughs> Take a volume. <laughs> All right, well, let, let, now we've looked at the, the wider view. Uh, Rogel Czar is the new bad guy. Completely new. In yeah, fact, they yeah, make a yeah. point in the story, don't they, of Superman saying, I've come, I've never heard of this guy. Yeah. Uh, Bender said in interviews he wanted to increase Superman's rogues gallery, so he's took Luther off the board for a bit, and he wants to give him a real challenge. Here, we see Rogel in issue one, pleading with the Guardians of the Galaxy, again, not those ones, to wipe Krypton out. So he's basically asking for genocide for reasons that I'm sure will be explained before this six-issue miniseries uh, finishes. I'm absolutely positive that that will happen. The Guardians refuse his offer. Issue two implies that the Guardians are terrified of this Lobo wannabe. Yeah. Why? But it's, who is he what's his motivation what's his background yeah uh, there's there's nothing to him and the only thing that kind of makes him seem like a threat mm. is the fact that in the issue of thousand story he stabs superman yeah and that's it there's there's we don't care about him we continue to not care about him he doesn't do anything and continues to not do anything and the only thing he what he does do we don't care about Krypton's been exploded now for 80 years. It doesn't doesn't matter what he whether he did it or not. The fact is, Krypton still blew up. It's but not I'll... new. It's not groundbreaking. It's not interesting. But also, I think my problem with him as a bad bad guy is he's got a little bit more of a personal motivation than Doomsday. But, but he's he still just have... Doomsday. He doesn't have what personal motivation does he have just because he has one doesn't mean that he dislikes krypton for whatever i didn't say it was a good motivation yeah yeah yeah. 
he dislikes Krypton because they do science. That is that is the entire motivation that we're given on page two of this book, isn't it? Yes. Krypton does science. Krypton swaps that science with other planets and I mean, investigates what, on other planets. I mean, what what I kind of got from it was just the fact that he he um thinks the Krypton's spreading out and the 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 touching. Why is this a problem for him? They're touching other countries and other cultures, other planets, and other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. other other countries. Well, that's the parallel, isn't it? Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so he's other countries, other cultures, and they're spreading their empire and da 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 da. And he's very much like, they're not coming to my planet, mate. Uh, they're not. They're not coming, giving me the. the but I'm gonna go get a a a, a, a Krypton kebab like. <laughs> that's that's kind of what it is. But other than but, all right, that's his motivation. Why? Yeah, it's. Is he just a bigot? Is that the whole point of the character? That's that's basically what I'm assuming. Yeah, and he, he very much he very much sees Krypton below him because hmm. in the last issue when Superman's asking why is he doing this, he goes, oh, you, "Are you trying to talk to me?" <laughs> yeah, he's not interested in actually explaining what it is that he's doing. Yeah, that's because Bendis doesn't want to write what he's actually doing because he doesn't know. Well, he probably does. He's probably got it in the back of his head already. Great, put it in the comic. That probably would have been wise. Oh, but wait, you can still put it in because this story doesn't come to an end, does it? No. No, it doesn't. So there's still plenty of time for him to explore that. Um, and so that was ultimately my problem with Rogel Zar. He is a doomsday in that, essentially, he's, he's here to just fight Superman and he shows up out of nowhere. And that's his his entire thing. I mean, at least he, as Superman, plays tactically, yeah. which he didn't really do with Doomsday. He does mention something about Krypton should be cleansed to describe why he's removing. So there's an ethnic cleansing right, idea. Yeah. Oh, well done, Bendis. To you've, the story, you've done some. Uh, uh, you've done a Polish analog. Well done. Yeah, you. I, I I didn't get why. I didn't get why. He's arguing Krypton's planetary commerce is based around science and they can only continue to develop by getting that information from other places. And Rogel Zar uses that as his reason to explain why they should be exterminated. So is he just anti-science? Is he anti-forward thinking? Is he anti-trade agreement? Is he just anti-Kryptonian? What is it about Krypton's policies that have so aggrieved him? Yeah. None of this is talked about in this. I mean, I wouldn't expect it in this issue. I wouldn't expect it in issue one. I would expect at least a modicum think, of an answer. I think I would want that. We've in all, the first issue? Yeah, because we've already established him. Let's yeah. let's not forget he was, in, he, was in, he was in a thousand. But yeah, right. the, the amount of dialogue that's in that first four pages, mm. I expect a reason other than I just don't like Krypton. Hmm. Because that essentially is what it boils down to. Yeah. Cause he just doesn't like that Krypton wants to explore science. Yeah, it's... it's. Okay, alright, fair enough. Um, the the first appearance of Superman in Man of Steel, if you want, is glorious. The, yeah, yeah, this I, is really I good. Realize bit. Firefly's a Batman villain who just has dropped in on Metropolis because it's the best place to hide for Superman in his hometown. Yeah. Genius. Well, I, I, I just quite like... like... Dude, he listens out for these things, so stop talking. Yeah, I also like that um, Superman, I thought, you thought this would be the perfect place to hide right under my nose. Yeah, yeah. good plan. 
And the guy's like, thanks. No, I was being sarcastic, dude. <laughs> I just imagined him saying like that, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Good that, plan. That, I like to feel like, oh, don't drop us. Like, oh, that's a Batman thing. It's funny when he does it. Yeah, that like, was funny. <laughs> like I said, there are some... F- I'm not going to say it's good bits, but he, he does do the funny bit well, and he does do bits like this really well. Mm. I, I do wonder if we go back to this in a year or so after however many issues of Superman and action have come out and see if it, it does have further hints. But again, six-issue miniseries. Yeah, and so you're arguing that the six-issue miniseries should be completely self-contained with maybe a few springboards. Well, John Byrne wrote and did the art for a six-issue miniseries that did do that. Yes. Well, John Byrne did a six-issue miniseries where each issue was essentially complete unto itself. Yeah. Across different eras of the Man of Steel. Uh, I, I like the fire bit. I like the bit about the fire and I like him rescuing them and I like how he talks. I like how he approaches the, the little girl when he rescues him. Yeah, I, I like just... him rescuing the little girl. Personally, I think I think one of the problems with this in and of itself is I think it should have been just that one scene where he just rescues people from the fire. Mm. I know he's fighting Rogel Zar, but also what what is Superman fighting against in these six issues? Fire. Arson. Yeah. And it's it's it doesn't doesn't feel Superman. Well he he actually brings Batman into it later on because it is essentially a detective mystery but it doesn't feel batman either no he only shows up for a couple of panels and then buggers off doesn't he it's one of those things where people always always joke saying like oh why can't the gcpd do the job why is batman gonna do everything but surely fires and he's there to rescue people but surely fires are a little below superman Um, well i'm not i'm not saying below as in oh i'm not gonna go stop yeah i'm not gonna bother with that but also Superman fighting against arson doesn't exactly strike me as a riveting read. <laughs> well, they're trying to introduce this idea that there is an arsonist going on and these there's been, what, seven fires at this point. It is an excuse just to introduce Deputy Fire Chief Melody Moore. Yeah, Who's which nice. it's, a, it's a nice scene. Who's a fiery redhead. Uh, Get it? As, as, a, as a story... Only reason that this is this is of any interest is in the the last panel of the last page of the last issue, page six. when someone says Superman start the fires. Yeah, yeah, the big twist at the end. Yeah. So they bring in Batman to investigate all of this, and it turns out it's not going to be Superman. Yeah. Unless there's a Bizarro around, uh, that's always possible. Um, and Superman and Melody, he plays this as very flirty. Yeah. But Superman's married. So he's yeah. enjoying the attention. Oh, well, she is. She is pretty. And like I said, that's it's cutesy. It's, it's written cutesy and yeah. it works well. Um, Bendis is good at building a mystery. You don't like this very much. The John Lois stuff. What I didn't like about it is it does essentially play the same beats. Every single issue yeah, for six well, issues. I've got, I've got no problem with building a mystery. Yeah. I have absolutely, you've got a weekly event. If you want to set something up in the first issue and then only pay it off in the last issue, mm. I'm all on board with that. But structure it better than two pages every issue, one of which is a repeat. Yeah, which is giving you exactly the same information. I, I kind of read this. I read issue one and then I read two, three, five back to back. Yeah. And then I read issue six when it came out. And it, it is just it is repetitious. Yeah, it's very repetitious. Unfortunately, I, I, I when the last one came out, I read them all on the train, and just when this first issue came out, you asked me, I wonder if it'll read better mm. altogether. 
And if anything, it reads worse altogether. Why? Because of just that scene. Right. The rest of it, you can, yeah, read back to back. But because of that one scene, the repetition just makes it feel like a drag. It doesn't work as well. Right. Okay. All right. I've not read it all again back to back. I've flicked through it when I made notes and such. But um, I did find myself just skipping over those scenes. I, I find them... You should, you should essentially go from one to six. And yeah. like we've already said, there is no explanation in this story for why Jarell is still alive. Now, I know from digging around on the internet, I've got it in my notes somewhere, that there was... The um, Oz effects. Yeah, the Oz effects. He was, he was brought back to life in the Oz effect, was he? No. Or something like that? I don't no, remember. No, kind of, right. So, again, that was one of my problems with this, is, is the big reveal ultimately ended up to, to give more questions than yeah. it should have answered, is... So Jarrell's back. Now, the thing is, and this is supposed to be a fresh start for Superman and a six-issue miniseries, but to get this rather integral story development, mm-hmm. you've got to have read The Oz Effect, which I haven't. I just I know haven't. of it. I just know that Jarrell's back. Yeah. And so you've kind of got to have read that to even know who he is or why he's back. And not only that, but The Oz Effect is also payoff for a story set up in DC Rebirth. Right. So that's that's kind of a lot of backstory you need for a six-issue Fresh Start miniseries. Um, I'd argue if you need it, I didn't need it. I was because I hadn't read The Oz Effect, and then I basically dug around on the internet for the reasons for it. But I, I was a little bit confused as to how Jarrell was alive. Not confused, but like, yeah. why is he alive? Because well, I need a bit of explanation. Whether though. or not you, you, you know it's Rogel's are or the planet's blue, we all know that Krypton blew up. We all know that Superman and Lois Lane are together. Yeah. We, we, if you read in comics, you kind of know that they've got a kid now. We kind of all know these things, but Jarrell is, is it's, it's something that. There's no explanation given towards it. And you have to, to understand, like, you've got to read the Oz effect or you've got to go out and look it up. And hmm. that, that doesn't work. That is, I, I do think that is lazy. Yeah, because he does basically, the it takes that, him four issues to show up. Yeah, if you've built it up for four issues and then the guy getting out is, I'm Jarrell, And you're yeah. like, what? what? You've got more questions then than you should yeah. have answered. He, says, he does say, I'm Cal's father, but he doesn't say how he survived the, the destruction of Krypton. Yeah. Why he's still here. Why he's around. None of that is covered in this story. Yeah. So I did have to do... And if, if you've been reading Superman, then yeah, you know. But this is a, this is an issue one of a miniseries. Yeah, this is pegged as being... Come on, read Superman. Bendis is writing it. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, I think my problem with the, the resolution of that story, if we get all the way back to number six, is Lois eventually decides to go with him, to go with John. John decides he wants to go with Jarrell and explore the universe. How has Lois got away? You know, she she phones a lawyer, a lawyer, yeah, and gets a two book deal, not a publisher. She phones a lawyer. No, she's already had one. All oh, right, okay. What she says is she has a two book deal. Mm. She's already done one. Her going off into space is going to be the second one. All right, her going off into space is going to be the second book. How is she gonna? What's she gonna say? Is it common knowledge that Lois has a super kid? Well, that's. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's... If not, how the hell is she going to write a book about it? How? I mean, she... some guy showed up into my house and said, I'm going to take you around the universe, and I decided to write a book about it. Yeah, I'm a, a, has Clark told Perry where she's gone? No. 
Okay. Cause, no, because in the DC Nation one, he says, well, if, if you're not going to tell me uh, where she's gone, then you can tell me what I can do. And, Lo- and Clark goes, oh. Yeah, he just kind of avoids the question, doesn't he? But when he meets the Justice League, he tells he doesn't tell them. So Superman's not told anyone where they've gone. Yeah. Why is it a big secret? It's, and again, this is this this. I think this just comes down to the the writing. There's there's so there's so many things that Bendis kind of wants to do, and he just does them. Mm. But he just he works his way around answering them or explaining them. Because oh, let's do this and let's do that, and I'll write about this and it'll be story thing. But I don't I don't have a reason as to why, so I'm not going to write as to why. Mm. I mean the the. The big emotional payoff for this is he gives her the communicator or the suit or whatever it is that he gives her so he can stay in touch with her should she need him. That gets destroyed. We've not got to the Fortress Destruction yet, but we'll get there. So he has no way of getting in touch with them. That was... I liked that. Until issue three, I think it is. Uh, From what they've teased commission-wise, I think it's either Superman or Action 3 that John's on the cover. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I presume that they're going to do stories set out in space as well. There's going to be issues... No, I mean, I mean it's Superman and John together. Oh, right. Okay, so of, he does yeah. find him in issue three. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of spoiled it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I thought maybe they'd, uh, they'd uh, split them up a bit longer than that. All right, fair enough. I mean, they might have done. Like I say, it's just a, commi- uh, a thing you'd cover. Yeah. Maybe it's just a John issue or a Lois issue and it just has Superman on the cover. I don't know. Uh, Trish Q... Is the new gossip columnist? Where's Cat Grant? What's happened to Cat Grant? Steve Lombard and what's his face is still in Steve it. Steve Lombard is still around, yeah. But um, yeah, he's just a background character. Um, Robinson Good doesn't get anything to do in these six issues. Although, was it DC Nation? It was DC she's Nation, not like, everything that she's supposed to be. Yeah, the teaser is this bad guy, and it even says to be continued in right. Man of Steel. But yeah, but she's, it isn't. She's, she's not in these. Yeah, no, they they constantly dig in at Lois at Lois, sorry, at Perry to ask where Lois is. Yeah, because the big drama at the Daily Planet is who gets Lois's office. Yeah, well that's riveting. Yeah, and that so it. So no one actually knows about Lois at all. He's got he's given no explanation for where his wife's absconded to with the son. Well, yeah, because not even a, oh she's uh, gone on vacation. No, it's in DC Nation that that Perry, thinking he's covering Clark's back, says she's got a big book deal and she's buggered off buggered off because she's better than us. Right. But even he doesn't know because he even asked Clark. Right. So he's not told him. But that's 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 another thing. Like, okay. so you you get all these character beats, but you get them in other things. Yeah. So that's even, the di- even, so in the I presume the trade will have the DC the Nation thing. issue in not, and like I said we're not we're not reading DC Nation which yeah it's a Bendis written Superman hmm. but we're reading Man of Steel he's, right. he's not no I get what even I get even writing Man of Steel and even writing um, action and Superman it's you're not writing every Avengers title anymore no you're writing Superman you're and writing, action comics yeah and that's it yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't get that. He's still. I think he's still used to writing the universe hmm. rather than the actual story. Yeah, because the incidental stuff is really good. In issue two, Superman fighting the robot. There is no bad in Superman fighting giant robots. Yeah, that's always fun. And it turns out to be Toy Man. This is all delightful. This is all really good. Hmm. And I did love the Superman asking, "What is wrong with you?" And him saying, well, "I'm sure it's something to do with my mother." He's blaming all his issues on mm. on his childhood. And for the most part, like 
the the art works. Yeah. Like the the switching artists I know was something that bugged you. That's, I mean, we'll probably talk about that later, but for the most part, these scenes work for their artists. Hmm. And then we get back to that flashback. And then we're flicking through and we get back to the flashback, which repeats the same page as, as last time. So all the, the, there are nice moments in all of it. Nicely yeah, written moments. I, just... I like Ambush Bug showing up. Yeah. I thought that was quite fun. That's in the Vega system. I did like this scene where Rogel... I keep getting his name wrong, don't I? Rogel Zar finds out that Superman's alive on accident. Yeah. He's just tooling around the galaxy, getting drunk because he's got nothing to do now, apparently. The Guardians don't use him for other missions, do they not? Yeah. Oh, no, they think he's dead, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they believe him to be dead. So he's, he's just tooling around getting drunk. And it's it's in this issue that you get two artists working through the main body of the book. And it's, it's this back end now. I like Steve Rude stuff. To me, though, this just turns into a bit of a muddy mess. There's some neat moments like Perry's breakdown yeah. that, that work, but I think having three artists on this comic alone hurts it mm. because the end is just a bit of a mess. I mean, again, there's some nice moments like Clark's in Perry's office with Robinson Good, and then the next thing he's on the screen in the background as Superman doing stuff. Well, that was lovely. He's not. Yeah, the car. Oh, yeah. So Superman goes off and does something yeah. instead of just being to see the papers yeah, yeah, flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Rogelzar's coming to Earth on Lobo's bike. So it's like this guy really wants to be Lobo, but isn't. And he only recognises to go to Earth because he sees the S symbol. So is that back now to meaning something to all of Krypton? Well, no, because she says, like, he says that's Kryptonian. And yeah. she says, oh, yeah, it's Superman on Earth. Yeah. But, All right, so it is still just the House of L or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, what it was after the after the movie. I mean, there are, again, some of the Daily Planet stuff really well done. Perry and Trish discussing that there's a story in Lois's disappearance and Perry just refusing to accept it because he doesn't want to break any confidentiality like that. But he's, she's right. Mm. There is a story, though. Um, three, Rogelzar arrives on Earth and he zeroes straight in on the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, well, this was another thing as well. Like, he's supposed to be threatening. Yeah. And it the the fact that he destroys uh, Kandor is supposed to be a big deal. Yes. To an extent, the fact that he destroys Kandor is a bit of a big deal. But also, you're not showing how much of a threat he is just for smashing a bottle. Well, he smashes all... It's, it's more going for the emotional impact that this has yeah. on Superman when he learns that Kandor is destroyed. I and mean, it, he's got a dinosaur. Yeah, and again, we have another little cutesy scene... Yeah. With him and the firewoman. With him and the cute redhead. Um, I mean, a lot of people did kick off about the destruction of Kandor. A lot of people got upset about the destruction of Kandor. But there is, a, I felt that there was a reason for its destruction in this issue. Your story has to have loss yeah. that affects the main character. Alderaan has to blow up. Bruce yeah. Wayne's parents has to die. Bendis kills off something that does have a connection to us as readers... And I think he does a better job of establishing why Superman cursed so much when he remembers everybody's name yeah, yeah. who lived on Kando. I thought that was really effective. But when was the last time Kando had any importance in Superman? Yeah, I think 
for me, the candor is is the most interesting part of it. Mm. I don't care who Rogel Czar is, and I've read all six issues, and I still don't. Yeah. I don't know who he is. I don't know why he wants to do this. I just don't care. I don't want Superman to be fighting fires. Because I think Superman, <laughs> on a power level, or even as a story level, should be above just fighting some fires. Yeah. And so I think the fact that Kandor is now destroyed is the most interesting part about it because it feels like there's actually something there. Yeah. I mean, the thing when you're destroying somewhere, something in continuity like that, it's what is lost and what is gained. Yeah, and you're right. It's the only reason why we know what Kandor is is because we just know what Kandor is. We know is. what Kandor is. It's not been a thing. It's not been important. Nope. It's not. And it's, you know, new Krypton. Yeah. If this is if this is that old Superman, is is he is he inheriting the new fifty two Candor? Yeah. Would he have no memory of the new Krypton? That's where I going back a bit and going a bit tangentially, but I kind of hate the idea that you can fix Superman just by killing off a young one and replacing him with the one that everyone seems to like. Mm. I hate that idea. I think it's lazy and I think it's stupid. Yeah, they should have made New 52 the problem, better. Yeah, the problem wasn't with the character. The problem was with the company. Mm. So again, it's that that uh, nostalgia is a selling point. Yeah. But by doing that, you're kind of muddling up these lines that you have yourself have created yeah. with all this continuity and all these reboots. Well, If you're bringing back Superman, surely he would have those memories. Surely those stories would exist, mm. which they are doing, but they're not doing. Uh, Scott Snyder did metal, but incorporated Grant Morrison and Final Crisis elements. Mm. So you're muddying the waters there, uh, which is weird because you're establishing that continuity. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is doing. Yeah, because if you go back pre-crisis, he cured Kando. Yeah. There's, a, there's an issue where he fixes Kando. Yeah, so that's, that's where these elements kind of just get a bit... They don't work. Mm. I see, I think Superman's reaction to the destruction of Kando is more provocative because ultimately, like you say, Krypton's an abstract concept to him. Krypton yeah. died either before but he was born Kando or just after he was born. But Kando, him, yeah. he knows all those people. Yeah. But again, he only knows all these people and it only has that emotional impact because we know what Kando is. Yeah, he he doesn't because as, as far as these comics have been, they've not been around. Yeah. And also it's, it's one of those things where... I, it, we only know what Kando is because we only know what Kando is. There's no explanation in it. No, but Superman I think... flies into the Fortress of Solitude and just goes, Candor. And mm. again, it's a fresh start miniseries. There should be some... This should be the payoff of even just a line of dialogue. Superman walking through the Fortress of Solitude, looking at Candor and saying, that's the, that's the bottle of city of Candor. Mm. Uh, several years ago, that's where my cousin came from and it was sunken down by Brainiac and I'm looking after it. Just That should be just one panel that is then paid off in this well in the old day that that would have been like a caption box wouldn't yeah. it just it wouldn't have got in the way of the story it would have said kando was but shrunken it, down by brainiac superman is now looking for a way to restore it but to again size. he wants to get the the toy out of the box and smash it against the wall but not explain what that is hmm. to people so essentially he's doing superman disassembled yeah right and again i think that to me that's the the alan moore approach which i think is lazy hmm. you don't get to take someone else's toys out the box smash them up and then not put them away i mean i suppose they can always get candle back somehow if they wanted to maybe you will do before the end i mean 
I did like his reaction to the destruction of the Fortress of Solitude, the burglarizing of the fortress. I yeah. liked that because you are you know on an intellectual level when something like that happens, it's only stuff. Yeah, but it's more than that. You well, are some of your stuff. That, yeah, and not only that, but Candor is stuff. leaving. Is living, breathing people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I quite liked that. I didn't. I didn't like that he just kept ignoring Green Lantern when he was asking him, "Do you want any help?" Yeah, um, and again, this is he blacks out, and that's that's when the issue of Thousand happens. Hmm. But there's there's no there's not really any there's a little bit of flashbacks, and that's about it. So an actual story element, for, which was a teaser for this, was actually quite important, and we've got to go back and read it and read that. Yeah, um, I mean the battle itself is quite well done. I yeah. do like the fight between the two of them. Um, I think you get the biggest artistic change, jarring artistic change between four and five, in that Adam Hughes's art in issue five does not look like Adam Hughes. No, I mean, well, it would uh, talk about the art then, I guess. Hmm. If you're going to have like six issues and six different artists, you either need to kind of tell stories that fit those artists yeah or you know even better have six individual issues and those artists can you know you and that artist can do whatever that the strengths are at work out a story like that that'll work hmm. now ivan reese is great yep but he does one issue yeah and you've got the jason fabok though they they have their own fabok does the jorel stuff yeah. doesn't he they have their own little sub stories and they work uh you've got um is it Steve Rude on yeah. the next one? On issue two, yeah. Uh, oh, thingy. Um, Doc Shana. Yep. Uh, good. Works. But then he can't finish an entire issue. Hmm. Why? He's Because he's on Terrifics or something. And then you get Steve Rude. Having to finish it good, off. But the Steve Rude part is the weakest. Uh, it's the weakest part. Like I said, it's a bit of a muddy mess. And it doesn't... You've then got three artists on that issue. Hmm. That's... that For me, that's a poor comic. When you have three issues all ha- trying to get a comic done, that's it doesn't work. And the the way they approach it doesn't work. See, maybe you, it would have been better if Ivan Rice had drawn it all. Yeah. I, I mean, you've then got Ryan Souk. Mm-hmm. Yep, sound, he does that, whatever. And then uh, Maguire, Kevin Maguire's art in this is great. Yeah. But it's more cartoony. Yeah. But we go, it's for the most part, they're not, they're not entirely jarring. They all kind of work, mm. apart from when you've got three artists on one book. <laughs> on the same and then one. you get to Adam Hughes, and that's when you start realising that... Because when it's, what... it's not just the Adam Hughes thing, though. It's the switching between Adam Hughes and Jason Fabok in the middle of the book. But not only that, it's, that's, that's when I kind of realised that this, Bendis on Man of Steel, with all these, these great big names... They're not doing it because they want good artists on the book. They're doing it because they want big names on a book so that they can sell more. Hmm. That's why they had Jim Lee for issue 1000. That's why they had Jose Luis Garcia Lopez on, on issue zero. And they want this to be weekly. And this issue is when that shows that it doesn't work. Because Adam Hughes' art in this, for the most part, is awful. There's some good panels. Awful. There's some good panels. But we get later on to the end of the book, and it's just awful i'm flicking the the like you know some of these that page exactly with with supergirl that's a preliminary sketch that's been colored that's that's not a final work of art 
for some bits later on were that it's there isn't even any line work you've got outlines and then color supergirl flying to the moon yeah and, has all and, been and pretty even, much done even, in computer even that as well all them ganging around hmm. not, oh the justice league yeah. seeing superman in the it's, hospital this is when i realized that they just want big names to rush some art so they can get this comic out on a weekly basis see my problem with it that i think the adam hughes art is good but i didn't i didn't think it suited this story certainly this issue and it's also cyborg looks awful it's also not good adam hughes like if you know what he can do even you can argue he might he might he's not got time to do the the level of detail he does in his covers because mm. it's interior art that's fine and all but i've seen adam hughes interior art that looks much better than this it's betty and veronica stuff yeah they, they, they gave, and one of the reasons this isn't all Ivan Reese is because he wanted him to focus on doing the comics. Hmm. The the issue one. The monthly Superman, yeah. So give Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes is doing issue five. Give him the time to do a proper one. Yeah. But they don't because they want to rush it out on a weekly basis. Yeah, it does feel like this has been decided it's going to be a weekly book after the fact. Yeah. And it has been kind of rushed out a little bit. I mean, it's, the art's fine in places. But it is, it's more jarring in this issue because it changes in the middle and then goes back. Yeah. It's Adam Hughes that becomes Fabok that changes back to Adam Hughes. And, I mean, I did like a lot of this one as well because the fight on the moon just reminded me of Superman 4. Yeah. Which is always a good thing. Well, maybe not. But again, in this issue as well is, is when we have all the Justice League around and he Bendis shows that he can't write the Justice League because they they're all snarky trying to be funny idiots but isn't hasn't he said that he cyborg who is connected into every database on the planet goes, oh is he the internet now? It, it says like oh what's this it's a circle oh it's a circle within a circle lots of things are circles yeah and flash who's a forensic scientist detective and is just as smart as batman which is something that's been established mm. oh it just looks like a circle of, of, of uh, should we go look up some more kryptonians it's yeah it's <laughs> it's just ignoring who these characters are just so that you can you can say i'm so funny oh well done bendis i'll pat myself on the back without actually knowing who these characters are sound like and what they do and you know wonder woman was okay <laughs> and the last double page splash of him going to the center of the earth that's fine yeah it's fine cause it's all color yeah it's nice colors i'm trying to be positive no, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to be positive because I spent uh, spent money on these, so I don't well, know if so I'm, did I. I don't know if I'm trying to convince myself. I don't. I honestly didn't think it was as bad as you say it is. I just. I well, I see what you mean there. Yeah, I just think that. <laughs> oh yeah, the top of that page, Superman has absolutely no definition whatsoever. He looks like Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, I just think that every oh, time there's something about this that I like, there's about five things that make that me go like. maybe not. Mm. every time I felt as though he was winning me over every time I thought oh I'm enjoying this something pulled me right back out yeah okay alright fair enough um, we get to Jory Old's speech and the, the fight between him and Ruggles are, why was the Phantom Zone projector not destroyed in the fortress because it had to be a Deus Ex right and also the ending of Superman number one yeah possibly mm. that could play into it as well the cross-cutting dialogue thing between Jarrell and the fight between Rugglesar, that's good. 
Yeah. I liked all that. This was my favourite issue of all. I liked issue six, because it, it pays some stuff off. Yeah, it pays some stuff some off. Some stuff off, after five issues of, of not. Jor-El also gives credence to Ruggles' words. Jor-El seems to want Superman to take a more proactive stance in the world, to interfere, to basically rule. Yeah. So is that where he's going with this? The, the story is going in the direction of Superman doesn't do enough and he should start interfering with governmental policies and hunger and all of that stuff. But we've seen that so many times before. And we've also seen why it doesn't work. We've seen it in every What If Superman story. We've seen it... In Superman 4. Yeah, we've just just been reading it for 15 years in Invincible as well. That's true. Yeah. It's it's not new, it's not interesting, it's not exciting. But for me, that sums up all of Bendis' stuff. In in this, yeah, is that he wants to be new, exciting, and interesting, but he's also of the belief that he's the only one who's doing his plot twists. He seems to think that all of his new plot twists and ideas, he's the first one to come up with them, but they're not because we've read them all before. Yeah, but that could just because we've read too many comics. Bendis is a writer; he should have read too many comics. He should, yeah. Maybe he's just not read too many Superman comics. The, he he posted; he prided himself. That when he landed the gig on Superman, he went out and bought loads of comics and said, "This is my uh, my homework." Oh, right, and he okay. posted a photo of all the stuff he'd bought. Right. And was it relatively modern, or did he uh, do a wide range? I can't or... remember, but yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. I, I didn't mind Supergirl expanding him to the Phantom Zone. It felt a bit pat and easy. I didn't like her saying "fuck him." That didn't really feel like Supergirl to me. I quite liked it because the more I thought about it, um, Super. Superman gets he, he says that he's a bit annoyed and a bit jealous that Supergirl was the one to put him away. Hmm. But at the end of the day, like that very much seems like the whole Luke and Leia thing with, oh, I'm upset because I've just lost this guy I've known for a few days. Hmm. And Leia's like, oh, okay, I'll just get over the fact that I've lost my entire planet. Hmm. Superman wants to beat this guy up because he destroyed his home. Whereas he's not allowing Supergirl to beat this guy up because he's just killed her entire family and heritage. Yeah, that's true. Kandor's not Superman's heritage. From the very start, Kandor's been Supergirl's heritage. Hmm. Yeah, alright. So she's arguably got more of a personal stake in it than he has. Okay, fair enough. Um, I didn't understand why the Justice League were at the eulogy for Kandor. Yeah. I didn't understand. I just didn't understand why they were there. I get Superman and Supergirl doing all this. I I didn't understand why they needed to be there. Didn't get that at all. Unless it was just support. Um, I did like that Supergirl's going to spin off into her own book with her own story. That is directly as a result on this. I don't think Bendis is writing that, is he? No, probably no, not. He isn't. I did like the emotional beats at the end of Superman sitting in um in John's bedroom. I like that he has a toy Batmobile. Mm. And a Teen Titans poster on his wall. Yeah. So that was great. Well, because one of the cute little bits in this was he wants to be one of them. Yes, he does want to be the Teen Titans. I mean, if you actually have a look, the toys change place yeah. from the angles, but we'll we'll cut in some slack on that with the artwork. Also, his yellow S disappears off the cape in the back of this issue, where it's been on in every other issue. All right. But that's a problem with all of the artistic changes. And then the arson storyline doesn't get wrapped up at all. No, and it feels shock. it feels weak that the whole arson thing's been there for five issues, and then right at the end on the last page, it's just by the way Superman's done. By it. the way Superman's doing it. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, because I think the thing with that is that's not reading too many comics at all. That's we know Superman's not going to have done it. It's just it's just one of those things that like like I said every every time I started I, I've, I've been incredibly negative. You have, <laughs> but that's only because it's it's there are bits that I did like. There there are some dialogues that I did enjoy. Again, it's not good, but I did enjoy some of it. Mm. But the whole thing as a story and as a business practice just really aren't very good. Mm. Again, everything in there that isn't character beats is just not very good Bendis. It's just... and, and, And every... All the art inconsistencies and problems are just DC wanting to make money off a weekly series, yeah. but aren't, uh, but don't quite understand how they can actually affect the actual product itself. And it does. It absolutely does. And I can't imagine it will read as comfortably as it could have done in trade because of that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think Jason Fabric should have done all of it. Uh, as great as Ivan Reese is. Ivan Reese is pretty to look at, mm. whereas Jason Fowler has proven time and time again, with it even within this, that not only can can he, he he tell a story, not only can he fill in for other artists when they can't, mm. not only but he, he can do it quickly and consistently. Right. Whenever Ivan Reese has had to do something quickly, he's either left the book, mm. or you can see that his art's not as good as it has been. Was that Blackest Night, where a no, double no, no. page spread had to be done by somebody else? Or was uh, that Final Crisis? Final Crisis. Right. But, you know, Ivan Reese, yeah, he's great, but he's stuck on the Terrifics for two issues. Right. Yeah, um, he did, yeah. He's, he, and he, he, even if Infinite Crisis, he, he was filling in for someone else. And he can do all these things, but if if he's stuck around for something long enough, mm. his art isn't as good. I think Brightest Day uh, is an I've example of that. Brightest Day. Whereas Jason Fabok is great, fills in for other artists, gets gets it done on time, and is consistent. Mm. And I think he's one of the most underrated but overused artists. Right. And but he's not used enough in the right places. So if he'd have drawn all six issues of this, yeah, it may have finally given him that that platform. Yeah. Okay. Um, see, I I'm not as down on it as you are. I thought it was okay. I thought it, I enjoyed it. The emotional payoffs of it had more impact on me. The actual main storyline is he is Lobo, he is Doomsday. And that's what he I isn't thought that interesting. Well. There, isn't, there isn't payoff. And we're even, we've got issue one for Superman here. Yeah, we've got issue one of Superman, which we weren't going to cover, so we've done some notes about it. But and Michael got it the other day. And even so still, this. there's no payoff. We're I like now, the paper change. We're now. Uh, if you think about it, really, nine nine issues into Bendis's run. No, you if can't you, really call DC Nation action a thousand issues. We're still nine individual. Yeah, okay. If you're arguing that, yeah, yeah, okay. And we're still we still not got any answered questions. We've still not got. Any... But issue six clearly says the fate of John and Lois revealed. Well, it's... <laughs> it's not, though, is it? No, no. But we're now, like I said, nine individual issues mm-hmm. into this story. Nothing's been answered. We're now none the wiser. No. We've defeated Rogelzar, but who was it? Uh, it's it's it's. For me, it doesn't work. It Man of Steel issue one should have just been Superman one. 
Yeah. Because that's obviously what Bendis wanted to do. And just kept on the monthly or bi-monthly schedule yeah. or whatever, yeah. and one artist done the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I quite like Superman 1. I thought he took it some interesting places. I'm not entirely sure John Johns should be the one saying to him, you need to take over the planet. That felt out of character for me. And again, I, I, I don't think he knows how to write him. Hmm. Uh, or if, he's writing him how he wants to write him for the sake of his storyline. I mean, we've had problems with that before. Yeah. Like, um, we didn't like Mark Miller's Civil War for that reason exactly. Yeah. It was the story first, characters came second. Yeah. And it's one of those things, it's just because you kind of like the story a bit. You can't really pick and choose hmm. that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, and Ivan Rice's art on this entire first issue is really good. I mean, how long is he going to stick on this boot, though? Well, yeah. Maybe that's why he's Bendis' writing action as well. Hmm, possibly. So Ivan Rice has time to do monthlies. But it's it's one of those things where, like... So, you know, whatever problems I had with a six-issue miniseries not being a six-issue miniseries, this is a, this is a f- issue one, yeah. okay? But again, it reads like a continuation... The story... And you're, re- you're following on, you're pretty much in exactly the same place you were in Man of Steel number yeah. one. The only one subplot is... Actually, no, there are no subplots. We move backwards in this. We have flashbacks. You're right, the, the nice little neat flashbacks. Mm. And he creates uh, a new Fortress of Solitude. In the Bermuda Triangle. But the story doesn't move forward. And when the story does move forward, it's in the last page. Yeah. And all of a sudden, spoilers, we're in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, how has Earth got into the Phantom Zone? See, I read that and thought, ooh, that's quite interesting. But so I read it is, in an issue one, the story should not move forward in the last page. Mm. In a plot twist that quite literally comes out of nowhere. Well, I think it's supposed to. Yeah. But when I... So this came out when uh, the Amazing Spider-Man issue one came out. Hmm. And as a comparison, the Amazing Spider-Man issue one is what I think an issue one should be. It's it explains everything that's happened previously, mm-hmm. going so far back as to that one shot annual I think I showed you where he's in the black costume and they're on top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yep. thing it goes the back that far. In the space of a few pages, it tells you everything that happened in in the Dan Slot run. Mm-hmm. It fills you in. Everything about the superior stuff, mm. everything you know about in a handful of pages. Right. It moves the story forward. It sets Peter Parker back as down on his luck. Mm. But then you've got great Spider-Man bits. And then it sets up a plot twist, which has been uh, set up quite well. And then big plot twist onto the next one. Mm. You get a big thick issue one as well with all that in, and it's great. It's mm. a read. It's an issue one. It works. And this isn't right. And I think that's why I didn't like it as well. Okay. Because I sat them both down, read them one, both back to back. Which one? Which one should I read first? And I read this first because I know it wasn't going to be an issue one. Mm. There wasn't going to be any story development because for four issues of Man of Steel there wasn't any story development. Mm. And that's exactly what it was. Well, I haven't read Amazing Spider-Man 1 yet, so I can't really comment on that. But I, I didn't mind the first issue of this. I actually fe- It felt a bit bulkier. Again, it comes with a free digital comic, so I'm sure issue 2 won't. Yeah. Which is a shame. But I, def- I don't know. I, I'm not as down on it as you are, whilst still acknowledging that it is Bendis writing. 
And, and if you have problems with Bendis's writing, this is not going to dispel those issues. It de- well, yeah, it definitely hasn't because this is this was everything that I knew it would be, hmm. but hoped it wouldn't be. Because right. I fell for it. I bought the Ivan Reese artwork. I you bought did. the big shiny adverts in which Bendis is coming was bigger than the actual Man of Steel logo, and I bought into it. I thought I've enjoyed his Avengers, hmm. maybe, the- but. Everything that I thought, well, it's just going to be repeated dialogue. Every, everything that I thought it would be, mm. I was right It's on. turned out to yeah. be. Uh, see, I, I thought it was okay. Um, I, I don't know. In terms of recommendations, I think I'd say wait till it's cheap on Comixology. Yeah. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was worth $4 an issue. But I've not thought Bendis' writing's worth $4 an issue for a while, which is why after Daredevil, I kind of stopped reading his stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it is... it is There's something about it I do enjoy that I, w- I will keep buying it, I think. Mm. So it's got you on some level. It's, I just don't know what it is. It's I, very easy to read. I didn't... Yeah. And I didn't... Every time I read it, I excitedly read it, but I'm always disappointed at the end of it. Hmm. Don't know what it is, right. but I'm I'm reeled in and I'm flopping about. <laughs> That'll be nice on the microphone. <laughs> you smacking the table up. <laughs> All right, well that's that's happy birthday, Superman. Yeah, eightieth, which was a change from what we actually had planned as well. Yeah, yeah, we were originally going to do an episode, like we did seventy five, and I had a bunch of issues picked. Yeah. And then when this happened, because re- this seemed to brush out. I reread the, the, the Grant Morrison run. So did I. New 52, we re- which is, is great. Yes, yes, it is, actually. It's but, the best that New 52 ever got. Yeah. I don't know if that's damning with fake praise. But it seemed like, when I read them all back to back again, all the Grant Morrison ones, Yeah. I felt that for a Ground Zero reboot, Morrison gave DC everything they needed yeah. To then go forward with that new version of Superman. Well, and for whatever reason, they dropped the ball. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, actually. Uh, so the, the new age of heroes that has come out of metal. Yeah. Uh, has has pretty much all but flopped. Yeah. Apart from, is it Terrifics has done well? The Terrifics has done well, yeah. Um, but there's one called Sideways. Yeah. Basically, it's it's DC does Spider-Man. Right. Now, like the Terrifics is DC do the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And uh, damage is Hulk. Mm. Uh, Maybe that's why they flopped. Brimstone's Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, but there's one called Sideways. Basically, his power is he can like travel through dimensions and space and something like that. He can just like teleport into them. Mm. Uh, so Dan Didio writes that. Yeah. But the upcoming annual is co-written by Grant Morrison and features a team up with Sideways and Bruce Springsteen Superman. Right t-shirts and jeans hmm. so it's going to be interesting how they do that and and what it's what it's going to be right because obviously that superman's dead now yeah yeah so we did we did actually plan on doing a a big old 75th anniversary special and we'd read grant morrison's and we picked some issues yeah uh, but one of the issues we picked was batman and superman's double date with uh lois and and selena kyle yeah which yeah. is a great issue really good tom king issue but this felt more important, and it, they did seem to rush this out. It did seem to like suddenly come from nowhere. Bendis yeah. is doing Superman six issue series. It's out now, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I, the 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 actual the actual teasing lasted longer than the actual series did, right? Because as soon 
as they announced that it was happening, adverts everywhere. Yeah. They were teasing it. Uh, like I said, we've got the big splash pages of big Ivan Reed Superman, Ben, is this coming? Mm. Everywhere. Uh, every every special, the whether it's the uh, thousandth action, well, this, whether this... it's the DC summer teaser. That cover is a double yeah. page ad, isn't it? Whether it's adverts on television. Oh yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Adverts for this were everywhere right. and for a long time as well. And six weeks rushed out, that's it. Mm. For Man of Steel. It's the the hype and the bendis uh, seem to be more important than the actual product. Right. And I think I think ultimately, if I had to sum up what I didn't like about Man of Steel, it would be the big names were more important than the actual product. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I, I didn't dislike it as much as you, whilst acknowledging it still had some problems. Whereas I liked it quite a lot. Mm. I didn't like it quite a lot, but... Acknowledged that were some still bits that were good. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, the Man of Steel miniseries is out now. I presume it'll be in a big, expensive hardcover before long. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd still recommend reading it. Mm. It's it's a good read, uh, yeah. For the most part, it's a quick read. But it's a quick read, yeah. So but, I don't know if you want to pay full price. For also, it. I'm not. I'm quite interested now. Am I on my own mm. in in believing this? Am I? Are there other people who like it but have bit the bait and haven't seen the problems? Are there people who who don't see any problems and I'm in the wrong here? And there's I'm... no wrong. It's opinion. Yeah. It's opinion well, of art. I'm... There is no wrong when it comes to opinion of I'm art. I'm quite interested. I am very firmly of the belief that my opinions are valid. <laughs> of course you are. You're yeah. supremely confident. But I'm 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 genuinely curious now as to as to. Other other people who, who agree or disagree and why? Have you not done any Google foo on it? Because most not. of the reviews I've read of this have been cursory. They've right. been yeah, it's been good. It's all right. That's generally it's not set the world on fire. Yeah, but it's not stunk up like a dumpster fire either. Yeah. So it's kind of just occupied this middle ground, and it's one of those: is it going to become going to become like Bendis's Daredevil run, which became well liked after it was over? Yeah. Or is it going to be like Ultimate Spider-Man, which everyone loved from the beginning? And um, from what I've seen, most of the people that are reading it enjoying it. A couple of people had problems just from Facebook things. A couple of people had problems with Candor and a couple of people been with Bendis himself. Yeah. But like, it's not provoked any kind of. It's not provoked any Last Jedi division. Right. It's not provoked provoke that level of debate. Even though you can argue some of the debate around that is is useless, but there are nuggets of good in there. Yeah, it's not provoke that. Like I say, it's not the world isn't ablaze about how surely, great it is, but they're not. Mm. Surely that's the worst thing about. Yeah, that it just that exists. Case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I have always said that we would rather have something try to be different and fail. Yeah, well, that's that's the worst rule of art. The first rule of art is is you've got it. Whether you provoke a good reaction or a bad reaction, provoking is, is, a reaction is, is better than no reaction at all. Yeah, and the fact that if this doesn't have anything, then that. I'd, like that I seems said, a bit. Uh, maybe the sales will sales will differ, but if if Bendis is just te- if the big first DC Bendis is just teetering on the middle ground, surely that should, if not a sales failure, then mm. well, a- Batman Fifty, by contrast, yeah, has been like the Last Jedi. The amount of people who I'm not reading this anymore. This is disgusting because they've not gone through with it. Yeah. Um, versus the people who've read it and gone, actually, this feels very much 
organic into Tom King's story that he's telling yeah. over the past 50 issues and he's now moving into I the mean, second half. I've only read issue 50. I've not read all the other 49 issues, but I I would not, not a fan of it. See, whereas I have read the other 49 and thought it was a perfectly serviceable turn for the story to take at this point. I just felt like it was a glorified pin-up special. Oh yeah, there were a lot of pin-ups in, in which it. there were great ones, mm. but for me, again, like well, we used to get pin-ups in comics like Superman yeah, four hundred. Yeah. There's loads of pin-ups. But in if, it. if 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 and the, the pin-ups were a part of the story as well. Yeah. So you know, but I mean, if we're going to talk about this a little bit, mm. um, I never believed that Batman and Jezebel Jet would get together and it would work and they would be happy and they'd get married mm. but what she was was a springboard into batman r.i.p yeah and we went into brand new territory we went all over the place with time and that and then batman international yeah or incorporated uh, i never believed that i don't know there are some things where you don't buy but it kind of goes into somewhere else mm. right i never once believed that batman and catwoman would get married mm. no i didn't but they did it. They teased it. They built it up. It was a part. The, their engagement was a part of the story for a year or so, mm-hmm. uh, and DC hyped it up for whatever business reason they did. Because a wedding issue sells more than a yeah. not wedding issue, um, and uh, it, it it got it got to the actual issue, and I felt like it was just a bit weak. Mm. And not only was it a bit weak, but uh it's 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 then just went into a to be continued into what to me felt like him just wanting to do nightfall again and i know he's already done nightfall again because i know there was the i am bane story Mm -hmm. so it felt it felt weak and poor for the wrong reasons and not only that but as a business practice that dc actively spoiled their own comic See, I didn't see any of that. I went into it yeah. completely unspoiled. No, they in in the form of a New York didn't the, read a, it. A New York article, but yeah, it's it stank, and it the the comic wasn't good enough to justify those business practices. And also, I'm not of the belief that that marriage couldn't have worked. Absolutely, could have. Mm. We've seen it in Spider Man and, and and Mary Jane, and in Earth One, Earth and, Two, and in and in in Superman and, and Lois Lane. And Lois Lane, yeah. And you can't say that. Oh well, they stopped being a thing. Superman and Lois Lane are still married, mm-hmm. and Peter Parker and Murray Jane were still married for a long enough time for years. it to have been successful, yeah. yeah. So I don't think there's any reason why Tom King couldn't have done it. And if he wasn't going to do it, it's it's one of those things where he just shouldn't have done it then. Well, how come, how much of it is marketing thinking they can make more money out of a wedding issue? Irrespective of the story he's telling, because he apparently wasn't happy with yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair because we all know that DC and the creatives are two completely separate entities. Mm. But for me, it just comes down to a, to a storytelling thing. I I would much because I'm having read issue fifty. I'm now not interested in reading any of it, which is a shame because I think yeah. it's great. And you know, I read his DC Nation one, and I know it's great. Mm. I know it's good. I know people rave about it. But for me personally, having read issue fifty. He's now put me off from reading his stuff because I don't want to invest time into something that I know is just going to not work out. Mm. I don't want to invest that time into something like... And I think it is a bit... It's it's not... If you're going to do that 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 brave thing of have them propose and they, they live together and they have engaged, but then you're just going to 
back out and say, well, actually, no, I don't want to do this, but I never wanted to do it all along. Hmm. My argument is then she shouldn't have done it. Yeah. You shouldn't have raised that, that attention. Well, even because... if that's... He's telling a specific story, though. He never had any intention of marrying him. This isn't Amazing Spider-Man Annual, whatever it was, 21, where Peter married Murray Jane, where the original intention was she jilted him at the altar. Yeah. So the entire story leads up to that ending. Yeah. Until Jim Shooter interfered and said, no, he's got to marry her because they're marrying in the newspaper strip. So the ending doesn't pay off the story. This is the story Tom King has always wanted to tell. There is no editorial interference in the story. I just... He's objected to the marketing, well, which has sold the issue as something that it isn't. For me, though, I just don't want to read that story now. Not because I know how it ends up, mm. just because I don't think that... that there's any payoff there hmm. i especially don't think there's any payoff because let's read it as the story if this is the story he intended it to it's bit led up to this but it's not because it's still going we have that last page that's being going the bat is broken hmm. it's not the story it's just another part of the story it's it's irrelevant it's unimportant and for me that shouldn't be that if you're gonna do this and it is a big deal. Mm. Batman Frozen to Catwoman is a big deal. Get rid of the marketing aside. From a story point of view, it's a big deal. Mm. But it's not. It's just brushed aside as another part because we're now going to have Batman fighting Bane. Again. And even you have said Bane's a one-note villain. He is a one-note villain. So I have no interest in it now. Right. Because I don't... Not even all the other characters that were with Bane. No. Gotham Girl and... No, because he was in the middle going, oh, now the bat's broken. Rawr. Again, I felt that it 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 was just another. It, had it not been a double sized issue fifty that got a lot of hype, mm. and it had just been another issue, yeah. And that's how I read it because I ignored the New well, York yeah. Times article. And I just read it as this month's issue of Batman. Well, I read it because it was there, and I kind of just felt well, like, Dana bought it, didn't yeah. You? And I just felt like you know I should, but yeah, I just it's it's again hype aside. It's it's put me off reading any of his stuff because I just feel like it's it's irrelevant. Well, apparently Mr. Miracle's really good. Yeah, I'll wait for that to finish, yeah. Ah, right, okay. And I've not read his vision. I got the vision for 99 cents off Comixology. Right, okay. All of it. When they did that Marvel dollar sale. Yeah. That they, they got belly ached at by people. But whatever. All right, well, that was the Man of Steel. A little bit more downbeat than we normally it are. It was, yeah. <laughs> you can have that because that's your Superman number one. Um, there is no next time. We don't know. It's probably yeah, going to yeah. be Christmas, isn't probably, it? Yeah. I would imagine at this rate. Because the next time we're together for an extended period of time, we're going on holiday, so I'm not going to be recording while I'm on holiday. I mean, I know you, so that might change. <laughs> Bring the little portable one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Record it round the... While we're in the spa. <laughs> we record one while we're in the spa. Come on, that would be nice. So we'll, we'll definitely be back at Christmas. We'll do our usual what we got for Christmas shit. And other stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, summer special. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll be back real soon. Yeah. Take care. Bye bye. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. Episodes drop intermittently. It is hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All sound clips and music used in the show are for review purposes only, so don't sue us because we talk over them, so it's not like people can rip them off. Correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. Virgin Media.com.